I'm LaShonda, and I'm just here to spread good energy and provide good vibes. I hope you find something here that helps you along the way. Hey, y'all. It's LaShonda, and I first want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening in to my very first podcast episode of L. Holland Speaks. So I talked to you a little bit about um, what my hopes and my dreams are for this podcast, and so we're going to jump right in. I appreciate you, and we are going in today head first. So today I wanted to talk with you about uh, mental health and um, specifically anxiety um, is what I'll be kind of wrapping this all up with, but um, I wanted to start with mental health. I chose mental health because one, um, this month I am actually recording in July right now. Uh, You may not hear this until August, uh, the first or the second, I think, but I am um, recording in July. And right now, um, July is uh, BIPOC Mental Health um, Awareness Month and um, and or Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. If you don't know what BIPOC is, BIPOC is um, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. And I thought this was the perfect month to talk about mental health. There's so many um, layers to um, minority mental health and um, what we can um, discuss. And so there are a couple of things that I want to discuss in regards to uh, minority mental health and our BIPOC mental health. And what I would first like to point out is that one of the things that we like to make sure that we we talk about is the um, the limitations of uh, minority mental health, the Uh, roadblocks that we are faced with when we go into a a, a primary care or mental health facility, any kind of medical facility, um, just kind of uh, what we are faced with. And I know some people are like, oh, everything's the same. Everybody gets the same treatment. And that's not always the case. Sometimes Um, you know, a person that's a minority can go into the exact same hospital as you with the exact same symptoms and be treated completely different. Um, Their uh, concerns uh, will not be taken seriously, or there's this expectation that you can handle it, you're strong, you you can do it. Um, This sense of strength or um, that comes with with being a minority, that sense of um, you know, you just, just, you can do it. Um, (laughs) And so, uh, and that, that is not fair to minorities, Um, not just going into a facility and thinking that uh, you can handle whatever's thrown your way, uh, but also just not taken seriously in general, Um, just being told, you know, go home and take an aspirin, go home and, and take a Tylenol and you'll be fine. And, um, you know, the next day somebody is, is, is dead or somebody is not, um, you know, they're worse than they were the day before. So these are some of the issues that minorities um, experience when going into medical and mental health facilities. So we're not offered the same treatments. Uh, we, 
are not always offered the same treatments. I'll say that we're not always treated the same with the same dignity and the same respect um, that comes with going into a medical or mental health facility. And so that is important to recognize. And the only way to recognize that and the only way to change that is for us to continue to speak up and speak out about it, continue to be a voice. Anytime you experience something like this, say something about it. Um, there's also this idea that, uh, you know, you shouldn't ask questions. Like you don't know what you're talking about. We know our bodies. And so if I say something is wrong with my body, I really want you to take that seriously because I'm the one that's experiencing it. I know when my body is off, I know when something in my body is different. And so that's important. So as I said, continue to speak up and speak out about that part of minority mental health awareness. There's a whole another layer to minority mental health awareness that I would like to touch on. And I will say, um, I got up this morning and, um, and as I said, I'm recording in July right now. And I woke up this morning and if you have watched the, the news, if you listen to the radio, if you are a sports fan of any kind, um, you probably have heard uh, about uh, Simone Biles who has, um, basically sidelined herself or pulled herself from the Olympic competitions. And I bring that up and I'll touch a little bit more on that. Um, but I bring that up because it is so amazing that she's speaking up and speaking out about this because within the minority community, um, there is a stigma attached to mental health. Um, and it's probably, people probably feel like there's a stigma attached to uh, mental health in, in their cultures as well. Uh, and, and, but for minorities, there's this lifelong stigma, this lifelong belief that one, we don't need mental health care. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but there's this mentality that we can pray anything away. Um, and uh, I'm a strong believer in um, faith without works is dead. So uh, we can pray, um, but what are you doing? What are you doing to, to make it better? If you are asking for something, to be made better or something to be healed, what are you doing um, in order to make that happen as well? So nonetheless, um, <laughs> I, it's important that we, that we speak up and speak out about mental health in minority communities and, and normalize getting the help and the care that we need. Um, it is important to understand that when you're dealing with someone who is a minority, um, the stigma that comes along with mental health uh, is not just, um, it's bad, you shouldn't do it. It is, uh, you're weak, you're fragile. For men, you're soft, um, you have no strength. Uh, all of these things uh, that, that are we we are told that can prevent you one it can break you but two it prevents so many minorities from coming forward and actually getting the help that they need because of the shame the fear the embarrassment the doubt all of that that comes along with um with mental health issues and it's it's especially prevalent in 
minority communities. I don't want, I know that there are always these outliers and, and I, I hate to keep saying, saying this, but I know that there's somebody out there listening right now and they're like, oh, LaShonda, we experienced that too. And, you know, in our culture or with my race, like that's something that happens within my race too. But I want you to understand how ingrained this is in the minority community. And I also want you to understand um, what minorities are faced with going back to, you know, not receiving the same types and same levels of care. Um, a lot of times the minorities are, uh, you know, subjected to um, going into free clinics because they can't afford um, the same type of uh, care that that someone who has insurance receives we're less likely to have insurance minorities are less likely to have um, medical insurance and so they're less likely to go to um, an actual doctor's office or a hospital and actually they're more likely to go to the emergency room where there is definitely <laughs> more debt in going to um, into the emergency room um, so so again so many layers that I could talk about when it comes to um, minority mental health but I think the main thing that I'm trying to uh, to, to bring home um, for us is that we have to speak up we have to speak out we have to talk about the the discrepancies in the types of care that we are receiving. We have to make sure that if we're in the medical field, that we're treating minorities with the same dignity and respect that we treat our white counterparts or our non-minority counterparts. Um, and so be different, be better is all I'm asking. Um, be vigilant, be aware of those things. And if you don't think that what I'm saying has any kind of uh, value, <laughs> then um, I brought up Simone Biles earlier and, and, and her story, like this, this morning I woke up and I was kind of like, I was looking at some of the stuff and I was just infuriated. I was infuriated by the fact that there are so many people who are doing exactly what I told you uh, happens to minorities. And so here we are with a young female, uh, a young black female um, who has decided to step away and take care of her mental health. And there were so many people who came for her in a negative way. So many people who said that she was weak, that she wasn't strong enough and that she can't sustain. And she's all of these things. And this is someone who has proven time and time again that she is a champion. Time and time again that she is heroic. She is heroic and a champion alone for standing up and talking about her mental health. For standing up and saying, I'm having a mental health issue. When it was actually released, when it was first released to the press, it was actually released as she was pulling herself from competitions because of a foot injury. And then she later came out and said, no, no, I'm pulling myself because I have to take care of my mental health. Now, I don't know if that was a media accident or if it initially was like, you know, maybe somebody trying to spin it so that we didn't know about her mental health issues. And even if it was that, you know, I, I'm glad that she spoke up about it because we don't, 
have to hide our mental health. We don't have to hide it. And I'm so proud for her and proud of her for actually stepping up and standing out and being the voice that says, I need to take a break. I need to take a break. I also, can you imagine, can you imagine having the weight of the world on your shoulders? This um, young lady is a survivor of sexual abuse. She has decided to continue and persevere um, in the same sport that had the coach that took advantage of her. She is a warrior. She has championed um, not just this mental health, um, speaking up about mental health, but she's championed um, being a survivor of sexual abuse as well and continuing to persevere and push forward. Can you imagine having all of this going on in your life. I think she's 24, maybe. I could be totally wrong about her age, but um, someone that as young as her, like there are so many people in this world that have not, cannot walk a mile in her shoes. And I say a mile, I don't think there are a lot of people that can actually walk a few steps in her shoes. Can you imagine being her age, having gone through all of these things and you still have scrutiny and opinions from others. Others have something to say about what she wears, how she speaks, how she wears her hair. Anything that she says or does is subjected to feedback. It's part of being, you know, on this, on this stage, you know, um, being this big of an athlete, I understand that it comes along with that. But can you imagine, how can we say somebody is not strong enough when they go through this every single day? And I'm also excited that, um, that she actually said that it was Naomi Osaka who championed this movement for her. Like she um, saw Naomi Osaka take a step back and say, I need to step away uh, for my mental health as well. And I remember when Naomi Osaka uh, made this decision and it, it was a few months ago, uh, maybe a couple of months ago, actually. And I remember having a conversation um, with my husband because we were seeing different things in the media and hearing people say, oh, it's part of her job. She just needs to do it. All she has to do is sit in front of cameras and get paid. And it's like, these people perform at the highest level. If we are entitled to take breaks, if we're entitled to step away from our mental health, why not these people? They're humans. They're humans as well. And they take on so much pressure on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I was also furious when people gave Naomi Osaka all of the blowback. And I would tell uh, Emmanuel all the time, I don't care what they're saying on the media. I don't care what anybody is saying. I am happy for her. I stand behind her. And if she needs a break, she needs to take that break. Because if we don't take the breaks we need, we break. We break. Whatever that looks like for you, if you don't take the time that you need, if you don't take care of your mental health, if you don't take care of your own personal well-being, you break. And as and again, these these young ladies are performing on the highest um, 
the, the highest and on the biggest stage in front of all of us, for all of us to see, for all of us to have opinions. Um, and Simone Biles, not only is she doing this, but um, not being in the right state of mind is, it can be, can, she can risk, she's risking her life. Like if you're not in the right state of mind, any wrong move um, can cost you your life. And that's just facts. And so what they're doing every day is mentally exhausting. It's mentally exhausting, stress provoking and mentally exhausting. And they're entitled to take these breaks. And I don't want to, I don't want to harp on that or stay on that too long. Cause I get really, really passionate about that. <laughs> I get passionate about it because I'm passionate about mental health and I am like 10 toes down behind anyone who says, I need to take my break. I need to take care of myself. And we don't always like it because, you know, we're, we, we feel like, oh, so you can't do this with me or you can't do this for me. Oh, you're letting people down. Oh, you're, you, there's all of these guilt trips that make us feel bad or try to make us feel bad for putting our own mental health first. We're letting somebody down. How about you're letting me down by not taking into consideration what I'm saying I'm feeling? How about you not taking into consideration that I'm about to have a mental break, but you still want me to perform at the highest level. You still want me to sign autographs. You still want me to sit in front of a media that may uh, ask me all kinds of questions that further break me down mentally. What else? What else? <laughs> how, about, how about you're letting me down? How about that? So nonetheless, what I would like to say um, is uh, to wrap up um, the Naomi and Simone Biles is listen to people when they tell you that something is wrong. Listen to people when they tell you something is wrong. Especially minorities, especially minorities. It's already so hard for someone who is a minority to admit that there's a mental health issue, um, to seek out help for a mental health issue. And so when someone comes to you, listen to them, believe them, support them, encourage them, uplift them, all of the things. And I would hope that someone would do the same for you if you needed it. Moving on, the only, the other, not the only, the other reason that I decided to talk about um, mental health this month is of course, because I, um, you know, I've had my own struggles with anxiety, my own struggles with mental health. Um, and so because I wanted to touch on anxiety, I thought it was important to talk about my experience as well. Not only my experiences led me here, but I know that, and I'm not going to stay on this very long either, but we're in a pandemic. I know you're tired of hearing that. Um, you know, we're pushing our way through the pandemic, but now there's a new variant. And when you talk about um, a pandemic, it is the recipe for stress, extreme stress, um, a perceived threat, extreme fear, 
um, all of the things. As we are moving through life, there are people who are going back to normal, but there are still people out there who are deathly afraid. There are still people out there who have weakened immune systems that are like, okay, this new variant is here. This is freaking me out. Extreme stress, extreme fear. And when you have extreme stress and extreme fear, those are all of the ingredients for anxiety, all of the ingredients for anxiety. So not only are we talking about um, a pandemic and just the normal stresses that come along with that, we're talking about something that has been ongoing for over a year now, and we're still here, we're still trying to figure it out. And we don't have all the answers. And that's stressful. People arguing over who should get vaccinated, who shouldn't get vaccinated, who should wear a mask, who shouldn't wear a mask. That's frustrating. That's stressful. That's anxiety provoking. So what I would like to do is tell you um, a little bit about the the different types of anxiety. That's what I would like to to leave you with, just a little education piece. And so before I jump into that, I will say that um, last week I did um, have an onset of anxiety and um, it was, (laughs) I knew what was happening. I knew right away what was happening. And, um, and I knew what I needed to do. I, I didn't really stop doing the things that I knew I needed to do in order to push through, in order to feel better. For me, that looks like yoga. For me, that looks like meditation. For me, that looks like stepping away from the craziness, taking a breath. Um, for me, that's not sitting around. Um, it means getting up and doing something and getting out of the house. It also means trying to communicate even when I don't know how. That's what that looks like for me. But nonetheless, the anxiety uh, onset that I had last week, it bothered me on so many different levels. And I'm telling you this because as I go into the different types, um, this kind of plays into that also. So I had extreme anxiety and it was, it was surround, it had gone on for maybe two days and um, it was surrounding all of the decisions that I needed to make that were going to affect other things. Um, And I don't know how else to put that. There was just so much on my plate, so much I was worried about, so much I was stressing out about that caused me to have this extreme onset of anxiety. Um, And again, it affected me all day. Um, my ability to focus, my ability to uh, feel rested. I was um, couldn't rest, but felt fatigued. Um, it affected my ability to make decisions. It affected my ability to communicate well with my husband. Um, I kept trying to communicate what I was feeling and I couldn't get it out. I could only like rub my face, rub my head, just look, you know, like all of the things and emails, like I'm here, just tell me, what is it? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Um, so just being able to properly communicate, it affected all of that. Um, and eventually I was able to, to actually communicate what I was feeling and just do what I needed to do, even though it was stressful, even though I had to cancel so many things, um, I, I pushed through. So, um, now that 
now that you know a little bit about my own set, let's talk a little bit about the actual types of um, anxiety. So of course, in life, there is gonna be anxiety. There is normal anxiety and abnormal anxiety. <laughs> so the occasional normal anxiety based on um, you know, day-to-day -day experiences, day-to-day -day life, that's normal um, and that's okay. Abnormal um, anxiety is when your anxiety starts to not go away. It's ongoing, it's consistent. Um, it, it seems like it's getting worse over time. So that is when you start to run into a problem. That is when you start running into um, an onset of uh, generalized anxiety. And again, there are different types of anxiety. You have generalized anxiety, you have panic disorders, you have phobias, um, and I'll touch briefly on phobias, but I won't get into a lot about phobias. So just to give you an example of generalized anxiety, um, basically generalized anxiety, as I said, is ex excessive anxiety, excessive worry, um, and you're experiencing it for most of your days. And it's been ongoing for at least six months. It affects your day-to-day -day life, leaves you restless. You're, you're wound up and on edge. And again, you may experience some of this, not all of this. Um, fatigue and having concentration issues, can't sleep, can't control your feelings, muscle tensions. I get tension headaches and I get tension, um, built up tension in my neck and in my shoulders. And I have the worst pain in those areas when I'm um, feeling anxious. And um, panic disorders, basically reoccurring unexpected panic attacks. So the fear with a panic attack is different from a generalized anxiety, fear, and worry. Um, the fear that comes along with panic attacks is an intense fear. It comes quick, it comes hard, and it peaks within minutes. You are, you go from zero to a hundred so quick. Your heart is racing, you're having heart palpitations, you're sweating, you're shaking, you're trembling all of the things, shortness of breath, you can't breathe, um, you don't feel like you're in control of anything. And that was my initial onset of anxiety. I'm pretty sure that I had had generalized anxiety um, for quite some time, um, just leading up to my panic attacks. When I think about the situation that I was in at the time, I was very stressed. I was worrying all the time. Um, I had a lot going on. And one day at work, I started having panic attacks. I didn't, I, I knew what it was because of my, my day-to-day -day job. And um, I was just, I was sitting at my desk and I was trembling and I was shaking and I was like trying to breathe all of the things sitting at my desk, people out of nowhere. I'd been working busy, like extremely busy that day, but I sat down at my desk and boom, boom, panic attack. That was the very first one that I ever had was sitting at my desk at work. And so um, panic attacks are intense. 
panic attacks are intense. So that's another type of, um, uh, that's another that falls under anxiety. And another that falls under anxiety, I told you I would touch briefly on just so that you know a little bit more about it is uh, phobias. Phobias fall under anxiety and it's different from panic attacks and generalized anxiety because phobias are fear of a specific situation or a specific object. So it is um, focused or centered around this object and what makes it a phobia like it's not just oh i'm ran i'm scared of of snakes or oh my goodness i'm scared of spiders <laughs> it is um it is actually like more of a your it's out it's basically the you <laughs> i'm trying to figure out how to put this so that i make it clear basically you're fear of the object or your fear of the situation is out of proportion with the actual danger that you're in. Doesn't mean that what you're feeling is not real, what you're feeling is not sincere. It just means that what you feel is out of proportion with what could actually happen, what could actually come about. I'm afraid of spiders, but you know, uh, someone with a phobia may constantly fear spiders, um, you know, getting in their mouth, getting in their ears, getting like all of these things, like attacking them. Um, and the kind of the stuff that you see in scary movies, I guess I should say, <laughs> but it basically the actual threat that you're in, um, is out of proportion, uh, with, with what you're feeling is basically what a phobia is. Um, I wanted to give you a little bit of education on the different types of anxiety. There's never enough time to delve deep, deep into these things. I can give you surface information. I definitely recommend doing a little bit more research um, so that you know what, one, you're experiencing if you're experiencing it, two, you know, um, and talk to your doctors. Don't try to diagnose yourself. <laughs> talk to your providers, your mental health providers, your primary care providers, whoever it is that you're seeing, talk to them about what you're feeling. I want to say that first and foremost. Do not try to diagnose yourself. But I do want you to be able to understand what's happening and what's going on um, with yourself and with the people around you. So I do support research. Don't go, you know, kind of crazy with the research and, and obsessing over what this could be and what that could be, but just educate yourself on what these things are and what's out there. And so that one, you can be a support to yourself, but you can be a support to those around you as well. So as I said, if someone is coming to you and they're having these issues, you can tell them, oh, that sounds like you may be having, you know, some, um, some anxiety issues. I don't know if you are, it could, you know, just be normal day to day, but I do do recommend you go and talk to someone about it. So it's just important to have the knowledge, have the information and be able to share it with others, support others, be there for others and uplift others. And I think that's where I want to end. I just want you to take what I've given you today use it accordingly, continue to be a voice, speak up and speak out about minority mental health, educate yourself, uh, be there for the people who need you, encourage them, don't make them feel bad for actually speaking up about what they're feeling.
I appreciate you again. Go to my website, lhollandspeaks.com, and there you can find all of my information to find me on social media. Follow me, uh, follow along, subscribe to the podcast, and um, I hope to come back and talk with you in another month. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. Oh, 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 oh,